This podcast is part of the Podcavern Network. Check out other Podcavern shows at podcavern.com. Month five, I guess. It's surprisingly easy to lose track when you're not on a long-term schedule for the rest of your life. Salve Regina setting by Charpentier this. Weird prosody in spots, but what can you do? The French are fucked terrible at prosody. Okay, Deirdre, cards on the table. I can see that a pattern is probably developing here. There's a goodish chance that, on the whole, the length of time between these edifying recordings of mine will tend to, you know, stretch. It's not, it's not that I don't care, it's not that I don't love you. It's more that I'm on a different kind of calendar here. When I have to think about time now, it's a question of not being late to work today because someone I've more or less only just met expects me to do the dishes today. It's not so much about where I will be two months or a year from now. I mean, I'll be in Schritt 3 tomorrow, I know that, that's decided. But that could have been a week ago, or in three weeks or six months. It doesn't matter, you understand? Also, and again I'm being absolutely frank with you, Dee, I feel like I'm losing my sense of time. Because of the dreams. I said month five, right? And, strictly speaking, I guess it is. But in, in my bones, in my head, on the strength of the experiences in my memory, I would swear blind I've been on a big long road for much longer. Much longer. I talked about the dreams with Val, we met up again about 50 kilometers back. You won't be surprised to learn that he had an opinion, and, yeah, it's bundled up with his ideas about the hatches. I, um, I love the dude, but monomaniacal is not an unfair way to describe him. Anyway, he says everyone dreams on the pilgrimage. Well, of course they do, but he means everyone feels more or less like I do about it, that their dreams, um, I don't know, start taking up a lot of space. He says that the hatches make us dream, not just that you can dream as you cross, you understand, but that, um, that you will, and then your soul sees just how much it can do while dreaming and you never quite stop. It's interesting, because I can see he's conflicted about it, even as he believes it. I'm not sure what I think about it, Dee, but I have to admit it, it resonates. I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand, much as I would like to. <laughs> so, since I left the convent of St. Julian, that is where I was last time I recorded something, wasn't it? I've been working, and walking, hitchhiking sometimes, to be fair, but that hardly feels like playing the game. I feel guilty when I don't walk. 500 kilometers. Mostly on my own, sometimes on the side of your regular road, and you have to look out for robo-lorries. 
but mostly through fields and small forested areas. Hills, a couple of rocky trails with an honest difference in altitude, where you feel it in your knees come evening. You know, nature. There's quite a bit of it left even here, even before you leave for the wilder worlds. I'm starting to meet people walking back, people who gave up, people who were too tired, who can't hear the call anymore, people whose feet hurt too much. can relate to that. I'll need to change my boots for the first time in a couple of weeks, and I can see that periodic obligation giving a certain rhythm to my existence over the next decades. They're good boots, but distances like that will eat into any footwear. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I surprise myself daydreaming about cybo legs. You know, nice metal feet that can't blister. The people walking back are the poor, of course. Rich guys who throw in the towel, spring for a shuttle, or have someone pick them up. It's difficult to know what to say to them when we cross. There's no shame in realizing the walk isn't for you, it's no stain on your soul. But you wouldn't know it from their eyes as we go past one another on the road. Not too many of them smile. I said, God love you, to an older woman with a limp, and she nearly glowered a hole in my forehead before she burst into tears. Now I just nod and walk on. I'm not turning back. I miss you and the guys in Herr Gustavo's grave to pray over, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm on the right track. The calls coming through loud and clear. For the last three days I've been sleeping in a cell graciously loaned to me by the deacon of Sacred Heart Cathedral, just around the corner from the hatch to Schritt 3. Val's got the next cell over. We try to pull our weight, of course. We sweep the floors, peel potatoes. We even re-shingled a bit of the roof over the north arm of the transept. That sort of thing. I'm sitting on the bed as I record this. Oh, well, I say bed. It's more of a paper-thin sheet of foam on a base made of... I'm not making this up. Verdammt stone. But, beggars and choosers, am I right? You're either one or the other. At least it's indoors, and there's a little light and a pad to charge the Omnibook. If you're quiet, you can, um... Wait, wait, this is fun, you'll like this. the hatch. It's a bit faint from here, and honestly, thank Christ for that. When you get close to it, it gets really loud and overwhelming, and it becomes this whole chord. It's C major, I checked. What are the odds, eh? It drills into your fucked-down skull until you walk through. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> remember I was telling you about that setting I was composing? The uh, Alma Redemptoris Mater. I've been learning to write music in my in my um, at night. I've been I've been learning at night. In any case, there's a soprano in the choir here. She's incredible, Kimberly. By an extraordinary coincidence, she's married to the organist. We all got to talking. 
I love real musicians. Long story short. this last night after Compline. We managed to record a Kyrie of mine as well. I was nearly in tears, I was so happy. <laughs> For once, Val shut up about the Fadam Hatches. Miracle. Did I tell you that he listens to Cycle Stim? Wouldn't know real music if he tripped over it. You'd like him. Val's a good chap, but I think I'll leave on my own tomorrow. We'll run into one another again, I've no doubt, before the hatches start flinging us into the worlds at random. And even after that, I reckon. The prosody is correct here, I don't mind telling you. Take that, Charpentier. Well, if I'm to go through the hatch in the morning, I really should hit the paper-thin foam, Deirdre. All the best to you and the family. Hope you're all doing well, and you had a lovely Christmas. Did you get the caramel? I love you, and miss you all. I couldn't sleep, Deirdre. Tickets to the hatch to Schritt 3 are good for the entire day, and it's all automated. I told you regulations loosened the further I got from capital, so I decided I might as well walk through now. It's about two in the morning. Normally you'd hear cicadas and things at this time of the night. I love cicadas. But near the hatch you hear nothing but the hatch. When I turn the next corner the hatch will be in view. You'll hear what I meant earlier. I'll leave the Omni book on record. Take care of yourself, Dee. I love you. Notes to Oniric, Month 5, by Tevor Troy, Doctoral Candidate, Alternative Narrative Traditions, Université de Montréal, October 17, 683. UDMID TT 603-782. I have not been able to identify the setting of the Alma Redemptoris Mater, which Wanderer claims he has composed himself. The obvious inference is that it was in fact composed by the author of Oniric, who clearly has a fairly extensive musical knowledge, repertoire, harmony, and theory. I will research this further and report on any other information I manage to unearth. The concept of the hatch, a portal through which one may travel vast distances instantaneously, either magically or via advanced technological means, is relatively common in genre narratives. Star Trek, Stargate, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, 2001, and The Wizard of Oz all spring readily to mind. 
However, I would argue that the hatches, as they are described in Oniric, owe a specific debt to both the doors and the thinnies of Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. King's thinnies, in particular, are passages between universes. They shimmer, and they have a distinct, unbearable sound. Oniric's hatches are described very similarly, although in keeping with the tone of the story and the author's glaring obsession with music, the sound they produce is slightly more harmonious. I bring up the Stephen King reference because, of course, the entire arc of Oniric is a fairly direct homage to the Dark Tower in at least one pivotal respect. Some of the details are even more glaring in season two. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked, top five lists of stuff that don't matter. In every episode, with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts, we debate, battle, and work together, showing you the entire process of how we got there to create a top five list of any and every topic we can think of, like top five brunch menu items, top five fictional dogs, top five 90s songs, top five Steves? The list goes on and on, and we will not rest till we rank basically everything. So join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter. Top five, top five, top five.